I'm Monty Schenkel from Take Heart Ministry. It is a joy to come to you today and talk about knowing and doing God's will. For in my years of being a pastor, I've discovered that many people struggle with knowing what God wants them to do. He doesn't want us to live a life in a great fog. He wants to cut through the fog and give us clear direction. That's what he does in his word. And today, we're going to look at how to know God's will in our lives. I want to ask you to take your copy of God's word and turn with me to John's gospel John chapter 7. We are in the middle of a series called Moments of Decision, but there are decisions we have to make, and the key thing to making those decisions is what is God's will for my life. And so the next three Sundays, we're going to talk about discerning God's will for our lives. And some of you this morning are probably already saying, I'm not even sure I want to know it, because if I, if I find God's will for my life, I'm going to Cambodia. God's sending me to Brazil. I'm headed to El Salvador. And you know, folks, if that is God's will for your life, you're going to delight to do it. And so it's kind of like people say, well, it is really, really hard. You know, I'm, uh, I'm 70 years old. I'm not. Let me clarify that. Uh, I'm 70 years old, and I just never have really been able to discern God's will. And maybe you've got a notion concerning God's will that it's some kind of a mystical, magical thing out there, and maybe by the luck of the draw, you might at some point be able to nail it. But God has made this thing very complicated as far as finding his will. It is not complicated. What kind of God would our God be who would play such a joke on us to say that the best thing you can ever do in life is be in the center of my will? And by the way, there may be some moment of time in the midst of your life that you're going to find my will for your life. That, that's not our God. That's not the way that God works. As a matter of fact, it is entirely the opposite. I'm saying that if your heart gets right with God, it is very, very hard for you to do anything other than to do God's will. He makes it very clear through the, through the pages of his, God's, of his Word how this whole thing comes about. And so this morning, I want you to look at one verse. We're going to talk about several verses this morning, but one key verse that has to do with understanding and doctrine and teaching. And this is what it says, John 7, 17. If any man will do his will... He shall, know of, he shall know of the doctrine, really, the teaching. So, in other words, understanding, the didactic. If any man will know his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now, I've heard this passage translated some ways that I don't necessarily think is in keeping with what, the, what, what Jesus actually meant. I think what Jesus is saying is, if you want to go deeper and uh, you want to have understanding, and if you open my word or you unroll my scroll and you're reading it and you want to know what this word is teaching, then there's a very key thing that you must do. You must do my will. The Bible's always going to be a mystery. It's always going to be shadowy. It's always going to be hard to understand unless you do his will. We want to turn this whole thing around. We want to say, now, when I understand, then I will do his will. And what you have there is the theology of the parked car. 
If you've ever tried to steer a parked car, especially back in the days before there was power steering, Leroy remembers this. Uh, before there was power steering, if you've ever tried to steer a parked car, a parked car is very difficult to steer because it's not going anywhere. Once it begins to move, you can actually move it. Here's the thing with God's will. If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine. God will open, his, his un, open your understanding to what he wants to do in your life if you will just do his will. So really, here's the thing. There are two possibilities. One is to know God's will, or the other is to not. You, you either know it or you don't know it. So, which means there are two positions we can be in. We can either be willing or we can be unwilling. If you are willing, you will know. If you're unwilling, you're just going to wander around in confusion. I'm always reflecting back on how God has directed me. This thing is this is not theory. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he speaks to you. You say, no, God speaks to you. God speaks to people that listen. And so I think back 25 years ago, this, this past Thursday, the 14th, I stood, not in, I stood behind this, this particular desk, this particular pulpit over in the blue room and preached a trial sermon at Concord. And you know, I am very thankful that I haven't had to repeat that in 25 years. Very thankful. I haven't had to go somewhere else, preach somewhere else, load my family up, move them somewhere else. I'm thankful that at that point in time, God, and it wasn't an easy thing. In fact, it was kind of a painful thing for us to leave a church and come to another church, leave people we leave, to go to another group of people. And every time I've left, when I left Clark's Creek years ago, uh, my first church, I thought, I will never love a group of people like I love these people here at Clark's Creek. And then when we left Second Baptist in Leachville, Arkansas, I thought, I'm never going to love a group of people like I love these people in Leachville. Arkansas. And then when I left the people of Leachville, Arkansas, to, or I left uh, Washington, Missouri to come here, I thought, I'm never going to love a group of people like I love those people at, at First Baptist Washington. Let me tell you, I will never love another group of people like what I found here at Concord Baptist Church. That's God's will. But in order to know God's will, in order to, in order to uh, understand what God is up to in our life. God does speak to us, but it comes to this point. You've got to be willing to do it. You got, and, and you say, well, what is God's will for my life? I can tell you, I can tell you folks, uh, I can speak to some of you this morning and tell you exactly what God's will is for your life. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to consider it. And you say, will you please speak into me and tell me what God's will for my life is? Number one, God's will for you is to be saved. Some of you in this building today have never trusted Christ as your Savior. And you say, well, I sure would do. I would do what God wants me to do if I knew what God, God, I tell you what God doesn't want for you. God doesn't want you to bust hell wide open. God doesn't want you to be lost. He's not willing that you perish to such an extent that he sent his only begotten son into this world that you might be saved, the son of man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. God who's not willing that any should perish, but that all kind of repentance is the same God. And Jesus said with regard to this, he said, I came not to 
condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. God wants you to be saved. And I tell you, if he, if he wants you to be saved, then I tell you the second thing he wants you to do, clearly he wants you to publicly confess him as your Savior and Lord. Confess him before man. Clearly, you say, well, I'm really praying about whether or not I should be baptized. Stop praying. That's a real spiritual thing, isn't it? I mean, why you got to pray about something God tells you to do? You say, well, I really don't know whether I need to be a part of a local new church, new, new, a local New Testament church. I need to pray about that. Stop praying. You need to be a part of the body of Christ, a New Testament church that can feed into your life and speak into your life and help you grow. And I, I, you say, well, I really don't know uh, about uh, Bible study. And hey, stop thinking about it and get to studying. Should I develop a prayer life? Well, of course you should. Should I be a witness to my neighbor, my friends down the street? Well, of course, I'm telling you there's a whole lot of things as clearly laid out in God's Word that you are supposed to do, and you don't even have to pray about these things. You just need to do them. Until you do those things, it's going to be really tough for you to understand anything else. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. So, I agree very much with James Montgomery Boyce, who said, uh, if you won't trust Christ as your Savior, no, I'm, I'm saying this. He said something else. He said, uh, he said this, if you are not a Christian, God generally is not at all interested in telling you whether you should accept a job with General Motors or DuPont or whether you should join the Army. He's not interested in showing you whom you should marry. He is interested in whether or not you will believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your personal Savior. God's will for you starts there. And that is for everybody that's in this building today. First things first, come to Christ. Now, let me, let me share three things with you this morning. Number one, God's will is desirable. It is desirable. He has a will for your life, and it's a good thing. My God has good things. God has never led me to do anything in my life that's been bad for me. Well, now, there have been crises of faith. Absolutely. There have been struggles you have sometimes, but I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's a good thing. So to do his will, to follow after him, is a desirable thing. God says good, acceptable, perfect. It'll be a blessing to you. And I'll tell you something else. It will fit you to a T. It really will. You say, well, I'm just not sure I'm cut out. God's not going to call everybody. If he calls everybody to preach, then who am I going to preach to? Uh, but God has designed you to do something. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is, a, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his 
workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. Now, this is what I believe that, no, this is what that passage means. It means before you were ever born on this planet, God had created good things for you to do. You are equipped to do the will of God. He made you to do his will. Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet and now by podcasts that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Monty Schinkel or you can write to mschinkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. God has a need, a job for you to do. He has already equipped you. Now, you say, well, if, if I don't do this job, well, you know, you can take a, a hammer and do with a hammer what a screwdriver is more appropriate to do. If you don't believe that, just follow me around any week out on the farm. Because you can use a hammer and do what a screwdriver would do, but a screwdriver works a whole lot better when it comes to turning a screw than a hammer does. And you, you can beat a lot of things apart. You can tear up a whole lot of stuff. But God has made you fit. He's equipped you. He's given you a job. You are perfectly designed by God to do something, and I will tell you, it is desirable. Back about 1980, a movie, Chariots of Fire, came out. You ever see that movie? The story of Eric Little? And, and I remember going and seeing that and thinking, man, I've been, I've, been, I've been thinking about a marathon ever since then. I'm thinking about one right now. I'm thinking that when the Olympics marathon is on, I'm going to watch it. That's what I'm going to do. So, I mean, they're just running. The whole movie, they're just running, running, running. And I, but what did Eric Little say to his sister? God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I pray for every one of you in this building this morning that at some point in your life, you're going to hit that sweet spot and you're going to feel his pleasure It's desirable. It's discernible. You say, how do I know God's will? Well, he doesn't want this thing to be difficult. He said, if any man shall do, he shall know. Now, some people say, well, okay, when it comes to knowing the will of God, this is what I'm going to do. Listen to these words in Judges chapter 6. Gideon said unto God, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. 
And it was so, for he rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wring the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said to God, let not thine anger be, be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, and let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground. Let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry on the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. And so people say, and I've heard this all my life, I'm just going to put out a fleece. It was in God's grace and mercy that he let Gideon put out the fleece. But that's not how God intends us to operate. You say, well, I'm going to ask God specifically for a sign. The sign that you just need to do is to do God's will and get doing it. Get moving. Put out a fleece. Gideon was testing God, almost tempting God. And God in his graciousness allowed him to do that. But how do we discern the Father's heart today? Not so much by putting out a fleece. F.B. Meyer, the great English preacher, said, when we want to know God's will, there are three things which always concur. Now listen, get this, get this, folks. When we want to know God's will, there are three things that always concur. One, the inward impulse, two, the Word of God, and three, the trend of circumstances. The inward impulse, the Word of God, the trend of circumstances. And so what he means is there's going to be a stirring in your heart. I've experienced it. Many others have experienced it as well. It's just something you can't get away from. It's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. God is speaking to your heart and stirring you. And so for, for us, uh, looking back many, many years ago, it was a meeting with one search committee in 1990, some who are in this building today, a year passes almost, meet with another search committee in 1991, getting a call on about Father's Day of 1991 from Lynn Schroeder, chairman of a committee. He says, I am from a church in Jefferson City. I want to talk to you about going to be our pastor. I said, which church? Because you see, in 1990, we had dismissed Concord altogether, and Lynn said, Concord. And I told Betty, I hung up the phone, our goose is cooked I think that that was a direct quote. Our goose is cooked. Because there was just no getting away from it. There was no moving away from it. There was this inward impulse of the Holy Spirit. There was a speaking in our heart, the Word of God. In 1990, the Word from God was it was not time. But in 1991, the Word from God out of 1 Peter was in due time. It is now time. It was, there was the trend of circumstances. All three things line up. George Mueller, who fed hundreds, if not thousands, of orphans by faith across England, was a mighty man of prayer, and he laid out six steps to knowing God's will. He said, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, no matter what it may be. When one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will for us is. And then he said, having done this, I do not leave the result of feelings or simple impression. If I do so, I make myself liable to great delusions. But then he said, thirdly, I see the will of the Spirit of God or, uh, or in connection 
through or in connection with the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word must be combined. If I look to the Spirit alone without the Word, I lay myself open to great delusions also. If the Holy Spirit guides us at all, He will do it according to the Scriptures and never contrary to the Scriptures. What God's will for you is never going to be contrary to what the Word of God says. Then he said, number four, next I count it, I, t I take it into account, providential circumstances. These often plainly indicate God's will in connection with his word and spirit. Then fifthly, he said, I ask God in prayer to reveal his will to me aright. Then finally, thus through prayer to God, the study of the word and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. And if my mind is thus at peace and continues after two or three petitions, I proceed accordingly in trivial matters and in transactions involving more important issues, I have found this method always effective. It is the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and the Word of God that guides us and the trend of circumstances that is before us. And I'll tell you, His will is discernible. We can know His will, and I can say this morning, for the most part, I can say that if your heart is right with the Lord, plow ahead. You can't mess this up. You can't mess this up. A person that is spending time with God, their life is right with God, following the daily trends of their life. You will know God's will. You will know it. So God's will is desirable. We want to do it. God's will is discernible. We can know it. And God's will is demonstrable. Demonstrable, that's a good word. I had a senior at... Mizzou this week asked me, what does that word mean? Well, if you'd gone to University of Kentucky, you'd, you'd have that command of the <laughs> vocabulary. You may say, I never heard that word in my life, but God's will is demonstrable. I mean, it, it is on demonstration. It is on display. He demonstrates his will for, in, and through us. God lets us know he's not going to leave us confused. So how did God... Here's a good question. How did God reach down into Egypt and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and deliver them? You say, well, I know how God did that. God, God sent Moses down there to do that. Yeah, there's more to it than that. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about Moses and how God got a grip on his life. But when you read... How God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, this is what you see. Exodus chapter 40, right at the very end of Exodus, reflecting back on everything that went on. The last few verses of Exodus is what says, And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel were, went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, that they, they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night in the sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So how did God lead them? It was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it was absolutely necessary. You know, if you've, if you've been down in the desert, down in the Negev, or maybe across Jordan, 
And I can tell you, it is a dry and thirsty and hot land. There's nothing for it to be 110 degrees in the daytime. And yet, when night would come at certain times, it'd get pretty chilly out there in the desert. But there was a cloud over them that protected them through the day. And there was a fire around them that warmed them at night. You see, it really was an amazing thing. And what they were able to do was to behold the mercy of God. That cloud was a symbol of God's mercy. God was merciful to them. It shielded them from the heat. It kept them from freezing at night. It lit their path. It warded off their enemies. And it was also glorious, for the cloud was a result of the glory, the Shekinah of the Lord. God was in the house, and they were covered by his glory. Wouldn't you just like to be covered by the glory of God? Well, I would tell you, it was awesome. It was glorious. So, it was also this, though. It was maddening. Now, God is leading them, and how is he leading them? When the cloud moves, they move. When the cloud stays put, they stay put. They don't have to look to Moses to lead them. They get up in the morning, and the cloud is moving, and they say, pack your bags, strike the tent, get the family together, get everything ready. It appears to be that God is moving today, and as God is moving, as the cloud moves, we're going to follow him. Now, that sounds wonderful, except that they never knew when it was going to move. Long-range planning, I remember, and we Americans are big about long-range planning. I was in Romania a few years ago talking to Brother Emmy, one of the pastors we worked with over there, and I was asking him about, okay, so we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and what are we going to do tomorrow? And he finally said, in his soft way, he said, Brother Monty, in Romania, long-range planning is what we do tomorrow, Maybe. He said, in America, you're talking about next year. In Romania, it's what we might do tomorrow. Well, it was maddening if you were a type A personality. If you had to have everything all planned out in your life, they never knew what it was going to do. So you pack to move and, and get everything loaded up, and then all of a sudden the cloud stops. And you may have just moved a few hundred yards. Or you set up the tent and the cloud moves. And you come to the point where you hate the cloud. It's like this crazy cloud is moving, and I, and I, and I, and I just I, I can't make any plans because I'm depending upon the cloud too much. But you learn this. You learn to travel light. You learn to pace yourself, and you learn to travel at God's speed because he's leading, and you see God at work. You certainly can. You come to know that he makes no mistake. And when you mess up, it is amazing how the sand and the wind cover your tracks. And you just keep on following. I'm telling you, you don't need a fleece. God's will is not a farce. It's not a fleece. It is simply this, follow me. Follow me. The question for us this morning really is, are we willing to follow him. I don't know. I mean, I do know to some degree in everybody's life what God's will is. 
the scripture makes it perfectly clear. And so there are those of you this morning that have never publicly confessed Christ as Savior of your life. You've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God's will for you is that you come to Jesus and you come today. You've not followed him in believer's baptism. Then God's will is that you get that straight. You're not growing in your walk with the Lord. You're not involved in a small group Sunday school or in-home Bible study. Then you need to be doing that. I can tell you those things. Now, in many of your lives, I can't tell you the specific of what you need to be doing, but I'm telling you, my God has not made this difficult. If you will get your heart right with the Lord and you will simply follow him, you don't have to put out a fleece. You just have to follow him. And don't tell me God's not saying anything to you because our God is not silent to us. He speaks to us. The songwriter said, the Lord has a will and I have a need to follow that will, to humbly be still, to rest in it, nest in it, fully be blessed in it, following our Father's will. Will you obey the Lord this morning? Thank you for listening to this podcast today. We appreciate you tuning in. We pray that this has been a blessing to you, and I pray that today you in your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon Him. And if today you've never trusted in Him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's Word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.